2: boys
3: come on boys
4: the boys are back and grant and i grant and i i am scott wildcat are recording together <laughs> after what was just a wild and fun um, just a wild and fun trip down to arlington um, you know i have a beer of the pod it is uh, Dallas Blonde from Deep Elm Brewing Company brought back from texas Uh, and beer the pot is presented by spotify green room is the only live audio only sports talk platform free to download and use you can talk to me grant other fans athletes insiders in real time it's perfect for watch games debates post-game breakdowns and reacting to breaking news It is a free app you can download in the Apple iOS store or the Apple or the Android app store. Just link it with your Twitter account and you're good to go. We'll be going live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. in God's time zone. Join us and let your voice be heard real quick. We're not going to do a lot of bantering or any bullshit today because uh, you're a pop-up with stuff to do.
1: Well, it's be- it's actually fine now since we recorded a little later. Oh, okay. But well, you also you're also on a time limit now because yes, you have I, a fantasy football draft. So it's yes, re- a reverse.
4: Yeah, in like ninety minutes. Usually these don't go that long, so we will banter just a little bit. So I'm mean, is that a your what?
1: Banter? That was you. Oh, wow. Scott has a surprise visitor. I'm pause. We're gonna pause yeah, now. We're gonna
4: pause. Stay tuned. And honestly, that's why our podcast is better than anything else. We're not going to edit out that doorbell and Chauncey finding his deep man barking voice. It was just an Amazon package. It actually is a, a special type of bone that Chauncey fell in love with when he was staying at mom and dad's, my mom and dad's, his grandparents. And to it a little, a little jingle while you run down to the door. Yeah, that's I might do that. Well, so I'm actually so for these preview episodes, I'm trying to edit in like fight songs and like a little bit bumper music because we bounce around and have like segments where we cut in and out. Might try yeah. to do that, but it's a little tougher since this is all going to be one continuous. Uh, audio yeah, but yeah, but we'll that's see. the problem with that's
1: the problem with the platform we use. We yes. it's 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 limited, but it is. But it, it's it, free. Yes, it is
4: free. It is free, and I just, honestly I spend enough on these like koozies that. <laughs> we used to make people buy, now just send them out for free. That's okay. What were we even talking about?
1: I don't know. We were bantering about the trip, maybe. Um, oh, yeah. Your Beer the Pod is oh, yeah. that Deep Ellen Blonde. I actually had that a couple of times down in Dallas. It's pretty good. I had a few Deep Ellen beers, but yeah. I think the
4: Blonde was actually my favorite one. And it was really good to have a session IPA that I brought one can home of as well. But yeah, it was just a fun trip. Um, I'm sad I didn't actually get to see you, but I, I think we... Realized pretty early on that the chances are paths weren't going to necessarily cross. No, where you, were you staying. stayed, you stayed like in
1: Arlington. Well, close I, to actually I
4: stayed in Ir- Irving, so okay.
1: uh, but you were in like downtown Dallas. I was deep in the heart of downtown. Um, I had a chance to see a few people, but it's just this was a pretty eye opening trip. Like,
4: of what it's like just, tra- traveling with a baby,
1: yeah, it's just. It, you know, it's, and he'll get older and it'll be easier, but with the heat down there and it was, it was fucking hot, like at all times, you just, it's limited. So, um, I almost went and saw Dan, the man at, uh, the Katie, the Katie trail ice house on Thursday night, or maybe it was Friday night, but I just decided against it. I already, I had had enough, we had had enough, you know, beers during the day and that heat that, any beer at night was just, like, a, a totally unnecessary drink by that I, point.
4: I had Grant. I, I declared on Twitter I was going to drink 400 ounces of Coors Light on Saturday. And mm-hmm. I actually had, like, done the math because we were going to get up and start, like, tailgating at 6. Well, I we ended up not starting until 7. then also because of that, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be out. and just going to be buzzing after the game, Texas Live. Went to Texas Live after game. It was a cesspool. Like, it was way too crowded. Yeah. And then – I was just like, nope. I just want waters, um, but it was so much fun. And again, I, I think you touched on your show. I touched on mine, and I think some of the players were even asked about it in the press conference, especially since we won and how much fun so many people had. I, I, I wonder there probably are some people who think, okay, this was still a stupid move, but I, I love it. Again, I don't know if we're ever going to get that opportunity again, but if we do, you take it without hesitation.
1: I I agree. It was super fun. Um, It was just a big party and that's the best part about it. I think it was, you know, a combination of, you know, last year being so shitty and not being able to travel the games as much. And also just those types of games are great. I mean, it's basically like a bowl game at the beginning of the season. That's how they feel. And bowl games are super fun. If you've never been to a bowl game, you got to try to make it out because it's all just one big happy party, especially if you win. So,
4: I actually think this was better than a bowl game, and you touched on it. Uh, when you're answering the hope those is questions. High, man, because yeah, because the bowl games, it's the end of the season. If it's a shitty bowl game, it's just like, all right, it's an excuse yeah. to watch K State play one more time, going on vacation. Um, but for this one, it's just like, okay, like hope is high, and then we'll get into it kind of like in the what it means segment, but like all of a sudden, and I you you knew this was going to happen because this is just the nature of being fans. But you have such a big game. I think anyone who like there's only one person, and it's Derek Young. There's only one person who watched that game, and all of a sudden they're like, "Well, I might be coming off my preseason predictions." <laughs> Derek's a weak-minded individual, though. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and also, sorry, have again. the juice. Not the best intro to a podcast ever. But what I was going to say is, after like three weeks of working with the spotify engineers i have the lost show that was the boneheads prediction episode so i'm debating whether or not i just drop it on thursday just for the hell of it you should just drop it why not i'll do like a twitter poll i don't know it's a super long episode it's gonna be like third
1: (laughs) third longest episode of all time and now it's dated very dated but we won so i might put a
4: disclaimer like in there but uh Yeah. So that's what I have. Um, let's, let's just kind of move on. Let's get into it because I actually think Chris Kleiman gave more weight in his press conference, this pregame press conference, than I think he has, uh, and honestly a really long time. So let's just jump into it. Um, he did, uh, you know, some of it was coach speak. So he said, it was good to have every, or good to have everyone back, uh, chance to play at home after a big win, uh, did some good things last week. Need to clean things up. Struggled in the second half, getting into a rhythm. The guys are expect, excited to play at home. Really good opponent coming in here, which, you know, I, we did this when we played Nichols State. And uh, I, I don't want to get too carried away, but Southern Illinois is like actually pretty good. I think they're up to seventh in the FCS coaches poll right now. So I, I don't think there's no way Coach Kleiman's ever going to look over an FCS team. And I think, well, probably I think fans probably hype up Southern Illinois more than we should, similar to that Nichols game. But, you know, that was coach speak. But he he, so this is where he kind of got more depth. So he was asked about, you know, that Deuce Vaughn play. And he said that he had to give the offensive staff a lot of credit. They picked up tendencies with Stanford watching film and throughout the game and how they like to stunt. And on that third and 13 handoff where Deuce took it. They knew they knew exactly what they're going to run, and boom! All he had to do is make that one guy miss. Uh, he says you always want to give the ball twenty-two. I agree with him. Uh, you know, especially knowing hey, the offensive staff schemed them to do those stunts. I think it's time folks put a little bit more respect on Courtney Messingham's name for three out of the four quarters.
1: I agree. He still um, needs to
4: figure out third quarter.
1: <laughs> yeah we need to figure out the third quarter as a whole, but uh, I think mess is a good schemer, and that was a great play um the offensive line really i mean there was two gaping holes that he could have gone through, and the safety you know if he wanted to have a chance to stop him, he had to be about three steps ahead of where he was by the time Deuce hit that hole, he was way behind on the angle he needed to take and there was absolutely no chance Deuce didn't even really have to make that big of a cut and he was gone and no, it- it was you, amazing, by the way, watching Deuce Vaughn in person. Do you I loved play,
4: it. Do you remember playing NCAA football when you, like, have a fast guy and, you know, you don't even have to, like, do a move. You just kind of have to, yeah. like, set the joystick out like half a step yeah. and you're taking – that's that's exactly what Deuce did. Yeah. I, right. I love him. Yes, I, I love him as well. Um, So, he really said – he was really starting to talk up Southern Illinois. Um, and I I – yeah, I, I have something in here later about how much, like, the respect he has, like, for the FCS, especially the Missouri Valley. But he really talked up and up the experience that Southern Illinois has. I actually read something today that they have, like, 15 six, six-year seniors or something crazy 18. Like 18 super 18 seniors. 18 super seniors. Jesus Christ. They brought <laughs> yeah. almost all of them back, which, again, it makes sense. They, they had a spring season, which was weird. And they went to the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. So I get why they'd all come back, but that is insane. 18 dudes coming back for their super senior season. <laughs> yeah, um, they're
1: absolutely, they're not going to be like a pushover. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, I get nervous for pretty much any game, but I, I don't take any game for granted, um, especially the last, you know, this last weekend there was an FCS team that upset upset somebody. I want to say it was a ranked team. I could Montana be Montana but... beat
4: number 20 Washington. Which Washington's right. a Pac-12 team, so they fucking suck. But you know. They do fucking suck. Shout but, out to know, Stuart Mandel. Bitch. You can't overlook anybody.
1: Yeah, he's a bitch. You can't overlook anybody, especially with that level of experience. So I think the boys will be ready. And Kleiman was the only one that said it. Um, you know, Skyler talked about their experience, too, and maybe that's what we'll get to later.
4: Yeah, well, so I, I didn't have the Skyler quote in there, but he did run through, like, almost every Missouri Valley uh, result over the last couple of weeks. And someone had a great tweet. Someone's like, yeah, you know, Skyler is not taking anything for granted or someone goes, or maybe he's just a degenerate who bet on Missouri (laughs) Valley. That's (laughs) definitely not the case. That's illegal. Uh, But I just thought it was funny. Here's something that does 100% have me nervous. I know this is something that you've hammered home a bunch. Kleiman says that this team loves to run reverse. It says it's the best reverse (laughs) football team in the country. Also says they're going to do all sorts of trick plays. They're going to go all over the place. Um, hearing that, hearing hearing Clement say that, and then also talk about how they want, how fast they played to the ball and how they're always attacking the ball that plays against everything for reverses and trick plays. How like that? That made me more nervous than knowing about all the super seniors.
1: Yeah, that is kind of scary. It's given our our history and inability to stop trick plays. But I'm trying to think of last season when Klannerman. When Clannerman was at the helm, we didn't really get burnt by any trick plays. It was really more uh, Hazelton's squad. I can t- think of three games and three separate oh. plays where we got burned by a trick play, but I don't really remember anything from last year. Maybe that's because I blacked I the go. season out. Yeah. But um, I will say that Klannerman, I thought, was pretty darn good and he was a lot better in his situational downs. Um, so I don't know. I have a little bit more faith, but I just have faith in the defense as a whole. Um, they look big, strong, fast, and mean. So, they do. I don't know. It does scare me. Of course, I'm sure we'll get burned on a trick play or two, but if we take care of business, it won't matter.
4: Yep. Uh, he talked about how prepared they were to stop the run against Stanford. So we had uh, so many people coming downhill to do that. Can't do that this week because of uh, the different variety uh, that uh, in offense that SIU runs. This is, uh, this is going to be a little bit more spread out football. They're going to have the RPOs. Uh, he, he straight up said, Hey, they spent 12 practices doing nothing but Stanford, which kind of contradicts one of his press conferences where, where he said they were still doing a lot of K-State versus K-State, but Hey, what do you expect? Um, he said there's going to be a different mindset facing Southern Illinois than you have versus most teams, but he's going to say that about every team. Um, he said for that uh, Southern Illinois game, they had a lot of things drawn up as a plan B or C in case they had problems in the three down linemen, uh, you know, alignment. He said, they're still learning on some of this. He said, this week you might see them play a little bit more four down, just starting to dig into everything defensively. Um, I said it on our podcast or on the review podcast I did by myself. I don't like the three man front. If it works, I'll live with it, but it just, Anytime I see it, especially in like an obvious running down, like, well, fuck, we're not going to stop it. Granted, we did. We did versus Stanford. Um, So I'll probably sound stupid a million times saying it on this podcast, but three man fronts make me nervous. What was your reaction to that once we saw so much of it?
1: I honestly had the same feeling that you did before the game. I'm not a fan of the three man front. Um, One, because I feel like any time in the past that we brought that and it's different, it's different, but anytime we, in the past, when we just like brought three, um, we haven't been able to get any penetration on the quarterback and haven't been able to really collapse the pocket. And it's always bur- felt like it burned us, but man, I think our, our defensive line was just. So dominant on the line of scrimmage. It didn't really matter who was in there that it they were moving guys back two, three yards on certain plays and giving our linebackers, man, Timmy Horns, um, he was really impressive. Um, Giving our linebackers, you know, plenty of opportunity to find those gaps and they had all the time in the world. So I liked it. Um, (laughs) I also hate it because K-State seems to struggle against it so much. So maybe it's honestly not, you know, maybe it'll work out. It worked against Stanford and somehow a three man front. It just it seems it seems to scream in the face of of logic. A three man front stopping the run doesn't make sense. But yeah, I guess when you have the right personnel out there, it doesn't matter.
4: Nope. That's we very, we struggle, like we cannot run against a three man front. No, so it's, we haven't
1: in the past.
4: So maybe maybe they'll figure it out. Also, I love how Kleiman's not telling anyone who yeah. he reached out to about like how to learn it. I'm gonna be pissed if it turns out it was like Matt Campbell. That would be shitty, but I don't so know. Man. I think maybe Iowa State fans would be mad because we're going to kick their ass with the three-man front.
1: Maybe now practicing against the three-man front and practices will give us a little bit better, you know, success on the field when we go against it.
4: I hope so. Um, Mentioned Sebastian, says he's progressing and practicing, just takes a little bit to come back from that type of injury. I think we both were not really expecting a lot from him, even if he got on the field grand. The wide yeah. receivers as a whole didn't really do much. I'm back to the point where I'm like thinking just hold him out until, I don't know, the Iowa state game. Yeah. I mean, I I, just, I don't know when I expect him back, but you know, don't rush (sighs) him back at this point. If he's, if he wasn't able to go in the opener, just don't worry about it until he's 100%, even if it is halfway through the year.
1: I pretty much agree with that. I don't expect a lot out of the and Taylor this season just as a whole, unfortunately.
4: All right. Um, When asked about guys who like ended up impressing a bit more than he anticipated after watching the game film, Clamon said Daniel green played really, really, really well. Unfortunate, he had that targeting call, which honestly, when I saw the replay, that was fine. He also said Felix and echo played really well. Uh, They played a lot of guys. This is something that is like on me. I was drinking more during the game than I uh, (laughs) ever do. Um, So, and I wasn't able to keep up with, okay, I tried to call out the corners every time, but I, so it's on me. Like I didn't really echo notice echo out there because there was rotation. I went back and watched a little bit of it uh, yesterday afternoon and he really is just back to, he's just back on his bullshit. No he's one, no one is the number one corner. Again, I understand why they're rotating so much and and, and I, I, I think Brent's is good. I'm, I'm yeah. not saying this to downgrade Brent's, but echo is the guy I want you know, fourth and seven, 20-yard line up four versus Oklahoma. I want Echo to be guarding whoever Spencer Rattler's favorite wide receiver yeah. is. That's I mean, they looking. didn't
1: they didn't go at him really at all on Saturday that I can recall. And they went after Brents and Gardner a couple times right in front of me. And they both had very good coverage. They just didn't, didn't get themselves turned around in time. But, uh, man, Echo, I just feel – you have to feel so good about our boundary corners at this point. They're very, very good. And the size that we have on the boundary is not like anything we've had in a long time. So it's impressive.
4: It is exciting. And then of course, T. Denson, my God, that dude. hit T. Denson,
1: that was a very nice oh, little man. hit there.
4: That Loves was exciting. That. Um, Coach Combin said uh, all of the staff, which I didn't know if that was true or not, but I'll take him for his word. I mean, I, I think it's correct. It said all of the staff has spent some time in FCS and most of them in the Missouri Valley, which makes us respect how good the football is in the Missouri Valley. He said that he was talking to Matt Campbell about you and I. says it's not a fluke uh, that all these FCS teams are able to beat power five teams. I hope it was more kind of like giving them shit. I don't like, are they boys? <laughs> I don't like that. If they're boys, I don't like that. Uh, I don't like that at all, which is a little surprising about some of like the shade he threw at the Mac when we met him the first time. Yeah, so maybe they've become boys. I hope not, but whatever. Coach Klein also, is his own man. I was also thinking
1: about the shade he was throwing at Phil Steele and how much he was basically like, I fucking hate Phil Steele, and now he basically clowned him on the field. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He, well, he loved Stanford and he did not like the Cats.
4: Well, he can clown Phil Steele again here in a couple of weeks, uh, versus Nevada as well. Also, K-State and Nevada both receiving votes. So it will probably not be a top-25 matchup, but it will probably be a receiving votes matchup. Um, Yeah. Just kind of wrapping stuff up. He said, uh, you know, a bunch of guys – they just laid out uh, what a bunch of guys were going to be doing going into the game. Say, on defense, you want to slow down uh, other teams when they're subbing. Did it it and made Stanford use two timeouts? I think he's wrong. I think he made them use three timeouts. Two in the second half, one in the first – which I love. I love that they have yeah. that in there. He did kind of throw his son under the bus, who's like a GA. He said that his son is one of the folks who were like trying to help manage substitutions and doing that, and said so he screwed up a couple of times. Um, <laughs> and then people were trying to like get mad at him on Twitter, trying to do the whole like nepotism, Sean Snyder, Like, and I was just like, no, I think I, because he then named, all the coaches who are involved in it and it, there's no G- GAs on the offensive side. That almost makes me think that Kleiman was just kind of being cheeky, trying to like give shit to his son, which yeah, this probably isn't the fan base that, that you want to do that because of, like I said, PTSD with the old Sean and Bill thing, but yeah. You know, is what it <laughs> it's is. True. Um, he, he gave Josh Rivas a ton of love. Um, and honestly, I agree. I think that was probably one of Josh Rivas's best games since he was a freshman, I was probably harder on the offensive line than most people have been. But Josh Rivas was one of those guys where when I was watching, when I watched back some snaps, he, him and Cooper Beebe were the only ones I saw who didn't have at least one like pretty big blunder, which good for Josh Rivas because he, he has the body and he has the athletic ability. So if he plays mistake-free football, he has the ability to be a game changer in there.
1: He absolutely killed a linebacker too. Oh yeah, I mean murdered, he pancaked. We like murdered a lot of dudes blocking. That's yeah. That's, I mean that opening play. Oh, the Jackson boy, finally,
4: finally, finally probably the
1: best block of his career right there. Who oh, killed yeah, that guy?
4: Yes, it was like one of the best highlight ones. But again, he's like a home run here. He stopped whiffing last year. I think people need to chill. I love Jackson. He only played in like nine plays. Come on, come on, Messingham. Give him yeah. some more love. Um, final. Well, missed
1: him. Skyler missed him on a seam route. He was absolutely wide. Or a you know, wheel route. It happens. Uh,
4: he said that they didn't discuss the three-man front until January with Klannerman, said so they knew they needed to change some things to be better on defense. Still doesn't know how long they're going to use it or how much they're going to use it per game. Uh, still just need to continue to get better on defense so we can use it. Um, and if they can prevent the explosive plays, well, hey, that's just going to help themselves with it. So, um, it, it, again, I think he gave a little bit more information than he typically does in these press conferences, which, Makes me think he's feeling good about it. So, um, but two reporters did ask him, Hey, who'd you talk to about the three man front? And I bet you by the end of the season, he's going to get annoyed. He, so, he honestly, he, it's, it's his own fault. He should have said that he reached out to other coaches to like talk about it.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting, like, it's an interesting thing to share. I think just generally that
4: I think he sometimes he overshares. It's either coach speak or borderline overshare for him. Yeah, he did not overshare on our podcast. For sure, that's for sure. (laughs) All right, well, that's all we got for the uh, you know recap of that. There is no other major K State football news which we try to shoehorn in there. It's going to be time for the Wildcat Roundup and game primers. They are sponsored by Adopt Don't Shop. If you want a furry friend and a companion for your whole family, make sure you go out to one of the great shelters throughout the country to find your newest family member. This week's Wildcat Roundup is from Colin Settle, who does great work over at 919. He actually, I think, called the game for the student radio station down in Texas. And he's also a sports editor at the Collegian. So he's going to give you a quick little roundup of what's going on with soccer and volleyball. We hope to get a Southern Illinois primer to you all, um, but we might have gotten ghosted. Um, so our last second scrambles, we'll see if we make it happen. Uh, yeah, don't trust these FCO or FCS folks. Um, the K-State primer is going to be from Ace Edwards of the – K State Podcast, Aggieville Alley Cats. We're going to talk to you when we get back from talking to uh, all those folks, and we're going to get you set for this week's action. Wanting to jump in here just real quick to give a thank you to Kendra Sheehan of WSIL News up in Southern Illinois, coming through clutch last second for our Southern Illinois primer. That'll come to you right after Collins Wildcat Roundup. Let's get into it.
0: What's up, Wildcat fans and boneheads? I'm Colin Settle. I'm a senior here at K-State. I work for a lot of different organizations here for the university that I will get into later. But it is time for this week's Wildcat Roundup. We are going to start off this week talking about K-State women's soccer. They are on a roll right now. The team is currently on a one-game win streak after beating Colorado State 4-0 on Sunday, which I will get into Here shortly, but to start off last week, on Thursday, they took on a very, very tough Denver team in Denver, losing 3-1. to This was a game that, you know, it was going to be hard, and that's something that Coach Dabini talked about earlier on in the week. That's something that Brooklyn Ents and other players talked about early on in the week. They knew this was going to be a tough game, and, you know, the score does not show due justice to how close this game actually was. I think there were a few missed opportunities late, but they just couldn't capitalize there towards the end of the game. But they were able to bounce back, beating Colorado State 4-0 to on Sunday, something that's very hard to do, putting up four goals on a Sunday game on the road, even harder if you think about it. Some key things from this game, Marissa Weichel now leads the team in goals sitting at 4 She scored two against Colorado State. She now is on pace to beat Brooklyn Ence's record for goals in a season, season which sits at seven, currently at four. She is on pace to break that. Other key storylines, Peyton Pearson in goal along with Elena Wurmeyer are the two rotating goalies right now for K-State with the redshirt junior Rachel Harris still recovering from her ACL injury although Peyton Pearson in goal now with this 4-0 win now has three consecutive shutouts in away games, which is a very impressive feat for the sophomore. Looking ahead to this week on Thursday, September 9th, the women's soccer team will take on Purdue at Folk Field in West Lafayette, Indiana, with the game scheduled to start at 6 p.m. with coverage provided by the Big Ten Network Plus whatever that is at this point, network with other live stats being provided by KStateSports.com. And then next Sunday will be the first time in three weeks where the Wildcats will return home to face Indiana, who currently sits at 4-1-1, still has also not played a Big Ten game yet. That game is scheduled for 7 p.m. at Boozer Family Park here in Manhattan. To purchase tickets, you can call 800-221-CATS, or you can visit kstatesports.com slash tickets. If you can't go to the game, you can watch it live on the Big 12 Now Network on ESPN+. You're going to have play-by-play from Brian Smoller. Uh, you're going to have Oscar Montenegro doing color and Catherine Benhart also doing some sideline reporting with live stats being updated on KStateSports.com. It's going to be a great game for them. You have to show out. That's something that a lot of the players were really hyped up and talking about in this media day. When I got to talk to them on Tuesday of this week, they want to see big crowds. They want to see the fans come out. They need the energy. They want the hype. They're all about it, and it's the perfect time up against an Indiana team for the fans to come out and support this team. So go out there, support this team. They're doing great things. And now let's move on to some volleyball. The volleyball team also finished the weekend with some success at the Gacho Invitational against Pepperdine, UC Santa Barbara, and San Diego State. So we will get into those right now, starting with the number 21 ranked Pepperdine, who was 4-0, coming into that game where K-State fought a very hard battle but ended up falling in straight sets, 22-25, 30-32, and 22-25. Aliyah Carter, though, still led the team with kills in 12, finishing second on the teams in digs with 9, behind sophomore Libero Mackenzie Morris, who finished with 10. The Wildcats were able to bounce back, though, against UC Santa Barbara, winning the first two sets 25-22, and then 25-23. The Gachos returned fire and took the next two sets, 25-20 and 25-23. With the final set being capped at 15 points, every point mattered. So, K-State had to make sure that they stayed on top throughout, and the Wildcats never trailed in the final set, leading by as many as four points at one point, leading 12-8, and going on to win the final set 15 to 13 again. Aliyah Carter led the team in kills, picking up her second 20 kill game of the season and the eighth of her career. She was followed closely by senior opposite hitter Haley Warner, who added a career best 19 kills as well. On to the third game, the Wildcats took on San Diego State, where the Wildcats kept their momentum from earlier that day, beating the Aztecs in four sets. Warner again dominated the match early on, leading the Wildcats in kills, finishing with 18 for the match. K-State won the first set 25-19, but the Aztecs weren't done evening the score in the second set, winning 25-18. After winning the third set, the Wildcats had a strong start in the fourth, taking an early 11-4 lead. They went on to win in the fourth and final set 25 16 finishing last weekend with two wins and a loss. The Wildcats will look to continue their success returning home for the K-State Invitational, where they will take on Ohio on Thursday, followed by Loyola Chicago on Friday. And then to wrap things up on Saturday, they will take on Fresno State. Looking back at that Ohio game, that game is scheduled for 7 p.m. in Bramlage Coliseum. On Friday, Loyola Chicago is scheduled for 6:30 p.m. on Friday, still in Bramlage. And then to wrap things up, Fresno State will be at 11 a.m. again in Bramlage Coliseum. All of those games will be available to watch on the Big 12 Now network on ESPN Plus, with radio broadcast being provided by News Radio KMAN. In the last little bit of K-State sports news coming up. The golf teams will be set to take off next week in their first tournament action of the year. Starting looking at the men's team, they will participate in the Wildcat Invitational here in Manhattan, Kansas. The team being led by junior from Cologne, Germany, Tim Tillmans, with help from redshirt freshman from the Andover Central High School here in Andover, Kansas, Cooper Schultz. Senior Will Hopkins from Lincolnshire, England, and Luke O'Neill, the sophomore from Con Mara, Ireland, as those two being some of the other two returning members for this men's golf team this season, hoping to make an impact yet again. Taking a look now at the women's golf team, they'll be taking a trip down to Denton, Texas for the Sam Golden Invitational, looking at a key players for them. Heather Fertuschnick, a senior from Brighton, Michigan, as well as freshman Remington Isaac from Montgomery, Texas, will also look to make impacts here early on to start the season. That was this week's Wildcat Roundup. Again, I am Colin Settle. I host a show Settling the Score on Wildcat 91.9 on Tuesday nights from 6 to 7. I am also currently serving as the sports editor for the Collegian, K-State's student newspaper, I work for HGTV, I work for John Kurtz over at KMAN, I'm a pretty busy guy, so check me out on Twitter, at Colin underscore Settle, I'm also on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, pretty much everywhere that that I can be a senior looking for work after college, so if you have any opportunities, please, I don't want to be stuck uh, jobless at the start of the year when I graduate in December, so... (laughs) Thank you once again for Scott and Grant for allowing me to come on the show. Always a blast, every time. Thank you for sitting here listening to me ramble on this outro. Once again, my name is Colin Settle, and go Cats!
3: Thanks so much for having me. My name is Kendra Sheehan. I'm a sports anchor for WSIL News 3, an ABC affiliate down in Southern Illinois. I cover SIU's football team pretty extensively. You can find me on Twitter, Kendra Sheehan underscore, or Instagram, Kendra underscore Sheehan. So I'm going to dive right in. SIU is 1-0 on the season. There's a lot of high expectations rolling in to the fall after what the Salukis accomplished in the spring. SIU made it to the playoffs. The program's first FCS playoff appearance since 2009 made it all the way to the quarterfinals where they were eventually knocked out by South Dakota state finished the spring season six and four, three and three in conference play. The thing about the fall is it's a lot of those same guys back on the roster 43, fourth, fifth or six year seniors on the roster. So it's an experienced group coming back, looking to finish what they started in the spring. Now, Mentioning all that maturity on the roster, coming to an FBS opponent like K-State doesn't scare these guys. SIU typically tries to put one FBS opponent on their schedule each year, and they've been doing that for the last five years or so. So even their head coach, Nick Hill, had mentioned that these guys aren't going to be coming into Saturday's game bright-eyed and new to playing on a bigger stage. Um, SIU is going to be carrying... A lot of momentum into Saturday's game. Uh, week one, the Slukies went on the road to Cape Girardeau to face rivals Southeast Missouri, and they cruised past the Redhawks in their opener 47-21. Um, quarterback Nick Baker set a school record with 460 passing yards and a little over three quarters of play. The night began with a school record 99-yard touchdown pass to Avante Cox on the offense's first play of the game. That was a school record that had stood since 1983. Baker threw four touchdowns to four different receivers and spread the ball to nine different players. So, you know, this, this team has big aspirations, and it certainly started with their week one performance. This is a team that has always felt like they were underrated. In 2019, they felt like they were snubbed of a playoff spot. Obviously, a lot of those guys still on the roster now, speaking to that veteran presence once again. Um, and to go as far as they did last season, you know, into the FCS playoffs and then to come into the Missouri Valley football preseason poll ranked fourth, you know, obviously they, they felt like they deserved to be higher ranked, but the seniors have had this goal of you know bringing a championship to Carbondale. That's a process that they began the moment that they stepped foot in Carbondale. And so a lot of these six-year seniors feel like this is it for them. This is their moment to step up and finish it and. If, it's a process that's game by game, practice by practice, and they feel that you know, Thursday was just one step closer to accomplishing you know, what they've tried to all along. I think the biggest strength of this team is their depth and versatility of players. Depth is huge for any team, but especially now with COVID-19, you never know what's going to happen. Players got to be quarantined, all that goes on with that. Um, but they really have a lot of weapons on offense. Nick Baker is that quarterback, and sometimes they'll bring in Javon Williams, a running back who will take, uh several, several snaps under center last season. That brings an extra dynamic. There's a lot of good options. Wideout out Cox going for a 1,000-yard season. He's tough to guard. His matchup this weekend certainly has his work cut out for him. Uh, Landon Lenore, a Memphis transfer, Tice Daniels. He had a TD catch in his debut with SIU. Isaiah Hartrup, Justin Strong on the ground. I mean, there's a lot of guys to pick, who are fast, run good routes, they'll mix things up, they'll go into wildcat formation, they'll really do it all to keep defenses on their toes. Now, of course, they are a run-first team, so that's what head coach Nick Hill had mentioned, and I think that's where they need to be better this weekend. Their O-line is strong. Xavion Furkron is a menace to go up against. He's a six-year senior, uh, but really their run game has got to be A little better, I'd have to say, this weekend. They ran the ball 32 times for 93 yards in Week 1, averaged about 2.9 yards a carry. Special teams could be an area of weakness for this team, especially punt return. I can see that is something K-State will try to exploit, having Phillip Brooks on the roster. Each of SIU's four kickoffs were returned by SEMO with at least 25 yards this past Thursday. Um, Key players for the game. I'd have to go with quarterback Nick Baker, Uh, training camp and fall. It was really fall practices, it was really a tough battle between him and Stone LeBanowitz, who was the quarterback that took over for Nick Baker last season after Baker suffered a season-ending foot injury. But Baker's back, he ultimately won the starting role, proved himself against SEMO. He's got great downfield vision. He'll use his legs to pick up a first down. He's got the accuracy, the strength, the confidence that All that you need for a strong quarterback. Defensively, I'm going to have to go with linebacker Bryce Notree and defensive end Anthony Knighton. Both guys are seniors. Knighton led defensive linemen in tackles in 2020. Knighton's half sack against SEMO moved him into sole position of second of SIU's all-time career sack list. Notree also recorded a sack against SEMO. He was second on the team in tackles last season. Both guys, I mean, are really athletic, strong, can get to the quarterback, cause some havoc. So K-State's L-line should certainly be ready for these guys. And if I had to predict a score, I am going to go with SIU winning 27-23. I don't think it's going to be quite the high-scoring affair and numbers that SIU put up week one because you know it's an FBS opponent Kansas State coming off a big Stanford win but I don't think anyone should take the Salukis lightly they are on a mission they're locked in and I can certainly see them pulling out a win on the road
2: Hello to all the Boneheads and Joker and the Thief enthusiasts. I'm Ace Edwards representing the Aggieville Cats, a K-State sports podcast where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we'll deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Thank you to Bosco's Boys for having me on, and welcome to your K-State preview for the true home opener against the Southern Illinois Salukis. SIU is an FCS team coming into a hostile Bill Snyder family stadium in what will likely be the scariest environment these players have seen in their college careers. But firstly, let's go over what occurred last week in the K-State football realm. The Cats are coming off of a dominant win against fellow Power 5 opponent Stanford Cardinal, winning the game in Jerry World 24-7, a score that makes it look much closer than it actually was. There was almost no point in the game where any Cats fan was truly afraid of losing, barring the first quarter. The biggest storyline coming out of that game was by far the astronomical improvement of the K-State defense. The group racked up four total sacks and eight total tackles for loss, while collecting two interceptions on the day by safeties Russ Yeast and TJ The Wasp Smith, respectively. This was the first time in a long while that the defense for K-State has gelled quite as well as they had on that day. But the defense wasn't the only story. The offense was, surprise, surprise, led by Deuce Vaughn on the ground with 124 yards and a touchdown. Alongside him was rushing with quarterback Skylar Thompson, who collected two touchdowns on his own right. The biggest offensive story coming into this week will be gauging how quarterback Skylar Thompson plays. He looked a tiny bit rusty in the opener against Stanford, racking up only 144 yards on 14 total attempts with 9 completions through the air. However, if you take away a 56-yard reception by Philip Brooks, which was a bust in coverage, he would fail to rack up 100 yards. That'll be a very interesting story going into this next week's game. Well, another important part of any football game is talking about any injury news that may come up, and while there have been rumors about key members of the secondary playing a tiny bit dinged up, the rotation numbers that K-State had during the Stanford game should be able to alleviate that concern, and there aren't any major new injuries for K-State going into this week, at least none that have been publicly released. Of course, playing an FCS team always comes with its own expectations. You never want to pull a Washington and lose to Montana when you're ranked. The obvious expectation is for K-State to pick up a victory against the lower division Southern Illinois, who finished 6-4 last season, though notably picking up a victory over Chris Kleiman's former coaching home and FCS powerhouse, North Dakota State. The strength of K-State in this game, and how they should attempt to use it, is definitely going to be the size advantage. The offensive and defensive line of Southern Illinois will be nowhere near as large as the previous weeks in Stanford, a line that K-State thoroughly dominated throughout the game on both sides of the ball. Look for advantages of every area of the passing defense as well. The defensive backs with tight coverage and our pass rush unit adding on to an already impressive early resume in terms of sack numbers. In terms of offense, the rush defense for Southern Illinois is also very porous, as evidenced by last year's Weber State game. So, you know what that means, another big day for Deuce Vaughn. However, there are going to be a number of weaknesses and things to watch for K-State, though none of them will necessarily be due to the opponent. The biggest perceived weakness with K-State's roster on week one is certainly in the passing game. With a few notable drops and issues creating separation, getting K-State behind schedule might be key for SIU to pick up an upset, whether it be through making Skyler uncomfortable in the pocket by sending additional pressure, or playing tight lockdown coverage on the receivers. That will be key if SIU were to pick up a victory on this day. But there are also two people on each side of the ball that are going to be very key, and for the offense, it should be immediately obvious the two that are going to be mentioned. It's Deuce Vaughn and Skyler Thompson. For very different reasons, mind you. Deuce will obviously be Deuce and have himself a great game against a relatively undersized and less-than-sure tackling of the Southern Illinois defense. The other pick is to more or less see his progress. Skylar Thompson had a passing game that most would describe as underwhelming against Stanford, and it'll be intriguing to watch if he's able to regain his rhythm against an FCS squad, something that he hasn't necessarily done for two years. On defense, watch out for Timmy Horn and T.J. Smith. Horn had a dominant performance against the interior of Stanford's line, a group that was highly touted during the offseason. He did not record many stats, in fact just one tackle, but he was a force on the interior of that defensive line and honestly made himself a pick for defensive MVP without picking up a single notable stat such as a sack or TFL. The other person to watch is certainly the Wasp, T.J. Smith. He's quickly turning into this defense's enforcer, developing quietly behind senior Jerron McPherson. Don't be surprised to see the Wasp coming down into the box to sting opposing players, whether it be on short passing routes, which SIU seems to enjoy, as well as playing very well in the run game. The most important thing for K-State is just to win this game and avoid any mistakes that open the door for any hope. Because FCS teams with given hope just give you a lot to lose. Come out fast and only let off the gas when the coaches put the backups in. Slam the door shut from the very beginning and give what is likely to be a sellout crowd something to be happy about leaving the stadium. Now, personally, I think the Cats continue the streak of dominance with an offensive surge, leading to a comfortable 42-10 victory. Thank you to Bosco Boys for having me on the show. And if you want to hear more from me, be sure to listen to the Aggieville Alleycats podcast, hosted by yours truly and also the wonderful Connor Balthazar. We're on every single platform that hosts podcasts and would love to have another Alley Cat listening. Follow us on Twitter at AggievilleACats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. But most importantly, enjoy the game and the rest of the episode. Stay safe, boneheads.
4: And we are back again. Thank you to Colin Settle over at 919 Wildcats and the Collegian for giving us our roundup of what's going on around K State sports outside of just K State football. And then to our guy Ace Edwards over at Aggieville Alley Cats. Give them a listen as well. I'll also, give Colin a show. I think it's on Spotify, Settling the Score. Uh, their show actually was live last week or yesterday and it should be in Spotify right now. So settling the score. Collin's a good dude and so is Ace. Uh, a lot of good uh, talent, you know, down in the uh in the bullpins at K State University coming for our coming for our heads when they graduate. So we gotta stay on our game. We probably need to pick it back up before these young guns take us out.
1: Hey, I welcome the challenge.
4: Iron sharpens iron, right? I do, too. Also, uh, shout out to uh, the boys over at Short Side Option. They're back and operational now that it's football season after their, their offseason break. They got some new logo, So, you know, I like it. It's never been it a better good. time. I think uh, I think the K-State podcasting world has never been at its bet or has never been better. Except for KSO, those cheap asses just putting random audio files on YouTube because they're chasing the chair bombs. They're not in it for the love of the game. They're just chasing dollar signs. Yeah, they've
1: they've been out of the podcast game for a while. They're yeah, they really fell so off.
4: Yeah, now they're just mailing it in over on YouTube. Kind of disappointed <laughs> in Derek Young and Grant, but you know what? I still like them. They're still good at their jobs, but those those podcast videos are kind of lame. Yeah, or, they are. What whatever. Yep. All right, let's get into a uh, breakdown of what this uh, game means, uh, stuff we're looking for. So this is what I have. Uh, I'll let you comment on them. You can add anything else as well. But honestly, the biggest thing for me uh, surrounding this game is, can the ticketing staff and athletic department push this over the line and get us an official sellout? The last official sellout was versus Oklahoma back in October of 2019. Uh, all the other games rest of that season were 48, 49,000. So it's not like we had, you know, 12,000 or anything like that, but getting over that 50,000 mark, that official sellout mark for that stadium would be massive Uh, again, totally different situation, but KU had a quote unquote announced sellout more recently because it was the week after ours. Granted that was 47,000 in a 50,000 seat stadium, over half filled with k-state fans. so it's bullshit i get it but hey i want to see <laughs> us get over the line uh you know i in getting over the line getting that fifty thousand number basically say k-state athletics is back to business after this pandemic so again does it tangibly mean anything no but i'd be lying to you if i said i wasn't trying to count every single one of those green dots during one of the breaks yes. in between my 15 meetings today uh, Cause I want to see it get over the line. I, I want to see it. I'm glad you bought tickets from the K.C. athletic department. So you got two of them, you know, off that screen. I did. Um, I chose the
1: expensive option too. I've, I kind of regret it, but I'm so excited to get back in the section for Scott. I haven't been there since the West Virginia game in 2019, hmm. November 16th. Um, well, I mean,
4: that's not that You much haven't much... been
1: since Iowa state. Iowa state. I wasn't game. able to make that game, but still fuck feels like forever ago doesn't that game feel like so long ago yes. the west virginia game oh my god i can't wait to get back unfortunately it looks like it's gonna be 97 degrees that day which Ooh. annoys me really i just said me.
4: that because I, I was gonna try to go uh lavender long sleeve tee with some shorts because i think that's a good look but now i'm gonna have to go dry fit polo
1: i think i might have to get a new polo i'm it's been a while since I've bought any K state stuff, but, um, if I don't, I'll do the cat script and some shorts and yeah, it's, it's going to be hot. Luckily I said, we both sit on the West side. So In, that helps
4: uh, evening game, but, um,
1: man, I'm tired of the heat. I'm yeah, ready. Let's get ready for it to move to on.
4: Actual fall. Um, the next thing, uh, I'm, I'm just going to be looking for my personal questions to be answered. Yeah. Uh, not my personal life, but you know, when it comes to the case, uh, offense for the most part can they sustain a few more drives instead of being dependent on that big play can the offensive line avoid some of their mistakes that led to easy, easy tackles for losses and sacks uh yeah. can skyland the wide receivers get on the same page in the passing game can baby catch the balls he's supposed to really all the questions i have are over on the offensive side of the ball i will be interested though and i'll keep my eye on the split of three man versus four man front so That'll be something. Um, also, and it's on the defensive side and I'm just as much guilty as this as anyone, but with all the hype that the fans and even players have given themselves after that Stanford game, you know, talking about the mob back, the hand side all this type mm-hmm. of stuff, which I love by the way, which I, I love, too. but you can't be doing that. If you give up 500 yards versus an FCS offense, again, it's a good offense. Go back yeah. and see what they did to SEMO in their first game this season. It's a very good offense. But it doesn't matter how good the FCS offense. You can't give up a ton of yards and a bunch of points and be throwing up the hand sign, and then all the – is the mob back talk immediately stops. I would like to keep that going for at least another week before we play too, Nevada. Because it's fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. We, we shall see. I think the Did mob... you catch it? Did you catch it in the game? It, I, it wasn't – I did. I yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I, I did. I, I saw it. it. Um,
1: yeah, I saw it. I had a, a really good view of that sack. It was like – kind of right in front of me and his body was faced towards me when he flashed that sign. So yeah, I saw it. And not only he, not only was it him, it was like six dudes behind him flashing it too. So it was um, it's exciting. I, I feel very good about this defense and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it just looked fast. That defense looked fast. And am I wrong? They looked fast and big and just mean. So
4: I don't know. The, The Tremaine Carroll effect. I love it. Uh I really,
1: really, really, really liked Russ Yeast. I thought he was looking, I thought he looked fucking good. Like, way, way better. played by the Sauce Boss, though. I mean, the Sauce Boss is nice. As the
4: number one Reggie Stubblefield podcast, that PBU was amazing.
1: I really struggled with numbers early on. I I needed a program
4: badly. I needed to, and I might actually try to print off a roster because I spent too much time. Uh, you know number one okay that's double field and I knew some of them but especially like the offensive or the defensive line out there it's like all right did Tyron Tolini change his number to 50 I'm like trying to go back and forth so I might have yeah. to print off
1: a roster before the next game I'm gonna have um, to buy a program and and get used to it yeah because I didn't know a ton of players and it was pissing me off
4: yeah and then it's like I didn't know what number Cade Warner was I knew how was 86 but it's just like oh yeah I, I I'm gonna have to bring in a roster all right. Um, the next one, who's going to step up and be linebacker too in that first half? Daniel Green serving his uh, targeting and ejection suspension. Uh, you know, Green and Fletcher played a ton, not a lot of rotation. So I'm just interested to see who's going to step up. Is it going to be Austin Moore? Is it going to be someone else? Um, but I'm going to definitely be keying in on that during the second half or the that yeah. first half. That's
1: why he was my MVP because I think – you know, he is our best linebacker, and I, I thought he played very well. Um, he looked like he definitely took a step up. Fletcher, I thought, played pretty well, too, so credit to him, but it'll be interesting to see how that linebacker core operates without the best man.
4: Yep. Um, also, it'll be fun to see if the swagger and energy inside the team and on the field and sideline can stay at that high level. From the moment I got, it, got into the stadium about 42 minutes before, and I stayed through the entire game. I had a hard time reflecting and remembering a game where there was as much energy amongst the players, yeah. whether they're playing on the sideline, warming up like that. So that's just something I'm going to keep in the back of my head. Cause I don't know if that's something that can be sustainable all year, um, but I'm, I'm pumped to see it, you know, from game one I in think, Arlington to game 13 in Arlington. I think
1: the, yeah, I think the energy level is going to be high. I think, it was, I think it's going to be very high. I mean, that opening game, it's a night game. It should be, if not a sellout, a, you know, near capacity crowd. And I think the energy is going to be really high. People are going to be – fans are going to be super excited to be back. And, you know, players get to see – a lot of players get to see that packed stadium for the very first time. Like, Deuce font has not played in That's front wild. of, of, full, of uh, a filled crowd. Bill Snyder family stadium. Or and any like, stadium. The, the – just – yeah, exactly. It's 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 crazy. So, you know, the reception that Deuce is going to get Deuce is going to ring throughout the stadium every time he gets a touch, which I loved, by the way, anytime he touched the ball, I could hear the students yelling
4: Deuce, which
1: was also, shout out to the
4: students who came because talk about bringing the fucking energy.
1: They were great. They, were, they great. were great. I have a lot of faith in the students this year. I don't know what the sales are at. I know they were up to about 6000, which is, you know, not what it was when we were there. But 8,000 when we were there, but you know, that makes me feel a lot better and I'm Scott. I can't wait. I'm going to bring the energy for sure. And I'm bringing a friend and we're, we're pumped. So I can't wait.
4: Yeah. I'm pumped. Final thing, mention it. Just going to keep an eye on how much we use the three man front versus a very, very different defense or offense. And again, I would think it would lend itself more to these types of offenses. But again, I'm a P brain. I don't know what I'm, like, i would imagine it would
1: too um which it's surprising it goes against logic to think that a three-man front would be so successful in stopping the run but it fucking stops us all the time so maybe we should just take versus the running teams. take the proof in the pudding and uh goal line that
4: three man i don't know goal line go three man front
1: well like- shit man <laughs> i think a pass heavy I mean, we're going to be, we're going to see. We're going to see if that secondary is as good as we think it yeah, is. Yeah. Over the next two
4: games, we 100% will see. So,
1: but uh, I think the three man front will be fine. Um, I don't have a lot of, I mean, those guys moved some seriously big offensive linemen. So I think we'll be okay.
4: Yeah. I, I do too. I do too. Also, their offensive and defensive line are tiny boys compared to Sanford and compared to ours, which aren't the biggest boys. They're getting there. They're getting there. They're just there. growing. They're just growing. Okay. Uh, keys to the v presented by the university of memphis why don't you want us please invite us to the big 12 we're better than ucf sponsored by the university of memphis wow they're thirsty are they i I
1: saw you know the four team edition is happening but i that's it i haven't really seen anything else um are they twerking on the timeline
4: no memphis is just quietly like sulking I would be I, I, I mean, asking FedEx be why they wouldn't pony up the sponsorship money to get them in. <laughs> so I, I think Memphis is probably super, butthurt. I saw, and I love this. I love that. This is kind of like a side effect, but you know, Yukon left the mm-hmm. AAC uh, to go to the big East for basketball. Now you're having Cincinnati leave, uh, which is another good basketball team in that conference. Uh, so I, in central Florida has made the tournament. So All of a sudden, Wichita State is insanely butthurt because that's where they play basketball. So they're all butthurt, like, oh, my God, we thought we were joining this, you know, decent basketball (laughs) league and now all these basketball – so now it's just them and Memphis just, you know, playing thumb wars at, you know, midfield. So it's – and Houston. Houston's good at basketball too. I mean – Yeah, they are good. We're going to stay the top basketball conference in America. So Wichita State's all up in their field, so – I love that so well uh, i love we'll, it too fuck let we'll me do a uh expansion pod special here in two weeks because i think I am, I am going to drop that uh drop that uh, old live show just to keep the five shows a week streak going not sustainable <laughs> yeah. but it's going to go another week so might as right. well might as well grift it i mean toss it out there we
1: did the work yeah we did the work the boneheads did the work they love that. And show. Okay. People loved that show. So they, we might as well toss it out there. Yes. All right.
4: So what's your first key to be for this <laughs> game?
1: My first key to be play clean football. We had nine penalties for 80 yards. Some pretty costly drive killer type of penalties in a game where, you know, this coming week we're, we're going to be favored against a literally a tricky experienced FCS opponent. Don't self-sabotage. Don't give them hope. You got to be sound, be fundamental, be ruthless. <laughs> Also, because
4: one of those penalties came on a big Phil Brooks return. yeah, 60 yard swing. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably 130 yards if you're, you know, not going to do the rules by the stats, which you should. Yeah. Mine is answer the questions in the passing game. I put questions in air like in quotes because ultimately I think. We did what we needed to do in the passing game. But I to win games all year long, you are going to have to see more. So I want to see Bebe not have a couple of bad drops. I want to see the wide receivers get a little bit more separation. Maybe Skyler, he said he wasn't rusty. I, I think he probably was a little bit rusty. But, again, I thought he was fine. The usual haters were out there hating. I thought he was fine. But you need to get the fan base feeling really good before that Nevada game because the Nevada game is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight, so yeah. I, I just want the fan base all to be hashtag good vibes the entire week going into that game, and I think that's only going to happen if the passing game looks a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I just want to comment on that. It was like another in the passing game generally another instance of kind of the stars just not really aligning for the passing game and the offense as a whole, because it would be another you know example of mess drawing up a really nice schemed play. And either Skyler not seeing it or Skyler dropping it in the bucket and a wide receiver not coming up with it. And it's just, it's frustrating because I think, I do think we have a pretty formidable passing attack when, it, in terms of like scheme, we just, we gotta execute. It's always execution, it seems. Um, so it's super frustrating. My next key to V let the mob be the mob. Use that speed size, athleticism, swagger, energy advantage to suffocate the Salukis, let the Cats loose, that's all.
4: No, I love it, I love it. Um, the final one is going to be make it an early night for the starters. You know, this is going to be the only game outside of maybe KU where you can hopefully give the backups a few series together on offense and defense. So I'll say an early night, like, hey, if you can say the final drive of the third quarter – you're pulling your guys and the entire fourth quarter you're playing the backups. That's what I want to see. Is that realistic? Probably not. Yeah. Maybe. I, would, not. I don't know. I would like to see it. I would like to see it. Um, But that's what I'm going to do. That That's what I'm hanging my hat on. Uh, And yeah, if we see I it, would genuinely
1: really like to see Will Howard get like a good chunk of minutes. I'd love to see how he's progressed. I want to see, us kind of dip into that stable of running backs. I think that would be really fun. Um, guys like, I want to see guys like Matlack get good chunk of time. Um, we got a little, a lot of really young, interesting players that I think have high ceilings that I agree. We need to give them a good stage of time and
4: we have the opportunity to do it. So totally agree. All right. Good deal. All right. All right. It's time for our game picks of the week. Our game predictions are spot by, or sponsored by Spotify Green Room. Remember, going live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Join us on Spotify Green Room. Download it in the Apple iOS store or the Android app store. And join us. Keep in mind, it isn't just us. There are hundreds of rooms always going, including athletes, journalists, insiders, and celebrities. Just a couple of weeks ago, the original cast of Gossip Girl was on there. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I listened in. All right, Pickham's back this season. We were doing all the Big 12 games, the ESPN College Game Day game. And the Fox, big noon Saturday, doing 15 games a week. Last week, the Boneheads, losing week. I don't know how many losing weeks we've ever had, but they went seven and eight. It was a rough week for the Boneheads. Grant, you and I both went 10 and five, losing and hitting on different games. If I would have just kept my mouth shut and let you pick North Carolina instead of Virginia Tech, like you originally were going to. Or, yeah, let you pick Virginia. Yes, let you pick North Carolina instead of talking you into Virginia Tech. I would have been winning, but there you are. You picked the Boston. I wish I wouldn't have
1: picked Louisiana. I feel stupid about that yeah, one. That I one regret that one. That one was bad. I, um, that was more of like I want. I just wanted it to happen. Are you going to pick Western
4: Carolina versus Oklahoma too? I,
1: I thought about doing a bit where I just picked them to lose every week, but that would be stupid because I'd basically be throwing it.
4: Yeah, I – also thought about that bit we probably should have been like hey we're just gonna should have been on the same page yeah and just done it yeah i mean we
1: could start now we are tied
4: no (laughs) maybe in big 12 play okay i don't know we'll talk about it all right it's the last dance it's the final chapter it's the rivalry (laughs) as old as time it may never be renewed thanks to conference realignment or more likely ku isn't going to pay coastal carolina to kick their ass Three times. Uh, Boneheads have Coastal Carolina 96%. I think it might actually be the biggest win the Boneheads have. I didn't put percentage in here for all these, but they have Boneheads 96%. Originally, before this year started, I was like, I'm going to pick KU to win all three of their non-com. I didn't realize Coastal brought everyone back. Then Coastal kicked some ass, and then KU barely beat a bad FCS team. Um, So, no, I'm taking – I'm taking Coastal. I wasn't going to. Coastal's nasty, starter, but they are—they're up to 17th in the nation. They should. I mean, yeah, Coastal will win. And it's right, and it's right. in Carolina. Yeah, and Kansas they have great uniforms. So there you yes. go. And a teal field. Yeah. All right, uh, the scihawk Hawk game. ESPN College Game Day is going to Iowa State hosting Iowa, and I love this. If we did the show, if if the very first year we were doing the show, there's no way. God, I that don't know. I don't the it. Hawkeyes would win 82% with the Boneheads. I'm rocking with the Boneheads. Vegas has the wrong team favored. Iowa wins this. Man.
1: I just feel like Iowa State's do. It's in Ames, right? Yeah. Is it? Yes. Are we sure that Ames. it's in Ames? 100%. Are we positive? 100%. Okay. I th- oh yeah, because that game got canceled last year.
4: Well, yeah, it was gonna be in. Okay, Iowa would have been year, in though. Iowa City.
1: You know what? I hate to do it, but I am going Iowa State. I think they're due. They haven't beat them since twenty fourteen. I think they're gonna have that home advantage. I I want to be wrong, and you know, odds are I probably will be wrong because it's Iowa State. They'll find a way to fuck themselves over. But I legit think that they are gonna beat Iowa. So I got the Cyclones. Yeah, begrudgingly,
4: I, I don't. Uh the Bank of Oklahoma Turnpike classic. Gross. Yeah. Oklahoma State versus Tulsa. Oklahoma State, uh boneheads have them 90%. So do I. Tulsa sucks. Okie okay, state. Not sold on Okie State, but I think neither too. am I, but Tulsa's booty. Okay. Pac 12 versus the Big 12. I call this the Stuart Mandel special because I will be tweeting at him because I have TCU winning. Boneheads have TCU winning seventy two percent. Are you with us or with the Golden Bears? With Stuart Mandel, TCU one hundred. Love it, love it. A future SEC matchup gag, Texas at Arkansas. Boneheads have Texas sixty six percent. I have Texas. Their quarterback was looking nicer than I thought he was going to, so I think they might actually be better than I thought they're going to be. But I have Texas. Do you have uh, the pigs? I have have Texas. I have Texas too. Unfortunately. Would love to see Arkansas win that. And I typically cheer against them. All right. These are massive ones. Um, You know, it's, it's teams versus horrible FCS teams. So West Virginia versus Long Island, OU versus Western Carolina, Baylor versus Texas Southern, and Texas Tech versus Stephen F. Austin. Just tell me if you're picking any of them. Otherwise, we're moving. I got all four of Big 12. Okay. Fox, big noon kickoff game. Oregon, who this game was looking a lot nicer before they struggled with Fresno State going to the horseshoe. The Ohio State University, the Boneheads have Ohio State 87%. I do too. Um, honestly, part of me was going to pick Oregon in this game until I saw them struggle with Fresno. And I was like, no way. So who do you have? Yeah, I don't think
1: I would say, or I mean, Ohio State's a top four type team this year but i do think they got too many boys for oregon i think they're gonna roll
4: yeah. all right first game in the commander in chiefs uh trophy series air force at navy espn hates the troop going to stupid iowa instead of this game bad look for espn boneheads have navy 60 percent. i'm going with the air force belt boys shout out to my friend chris he's in the air force that's really i don't really have any other reason so i'm going air force i'll go navy there we go. All right. An ACC versus SEC. I'm calling this the mediocre matchup of the week. NC State at Mississippi State. Boneheads have NC State 57%. I'm going with NC State because I think Mississippi State with Leach is like going to implode this year. I think it's I think there's like a case for a disaster. NC State State also sucks. They're ACC. Uh, So I don't really have anything else other than I would like to see a leech meltdown at some point this year. I'll take Mississippi State. There we go. I'm rocking with the boneheads too, Matt. Actually, that's only two games. You're with them and I'm with them. All right. The cat clash. This is actually a pretty big game for the upper middle, middle class of the SEC East. Mizzou at Kentucky. Boneheads have Kentucky 57%. I'm going with the home team. Um, you know, the only Stoops uh, head coach, still active. So I'm going with Kentucky. I'm going to
1: Kentucky because I absolutely despise uh, Eli Drinkowitz
4: or whatever. Eli like Dorkowitz. I hate right. that guy. Then we got the Holy War, the best – one of the best rivalries, uh, rivalry names in college football. Utah goes to future Big 12 member BYU – uh the Boneheads big time BYU 78%. I'm going with uh I'm going with Utah on the road.
1: i got the Utes myself.
4: That's okay. is that the
1: best? Is that the best rivalry
4: name? I think so. Holy War? It's Especially, pretty good. I mean, what what's what could be better? Old fashioned Georgia, Georgia Tech?
1: Yeah, that one's okay. The Holy Wars that's unbeaten it's too good
4: i think it's the best all right and the moment you all have been waiting for the annual family reunion game the refill the bill game k-state hosts southern illinois the boneheads actually had k-state 96 percent very confident i'm taking k-state my official score prediction is going to be 41 17 i got the cats cats.
1: got the cats and i think we cover whatever the spread is going to be i say K-State, 45, Salukis,
4: 10. Ooh, I'll take it. The mob is back if we hold them to 10, 100%. Perfect. All right, well, that's all we got. We'll be coming to you live, Spotify Green Room uh, tonight if you're listening to this. Uh, yeah, tonight if you're listening to this, on Wednesday, 7 p.m., Spotify green room. We'll talk about uh Stanford game. I'll ask some questions about the Stanford game and we're going to do like quick previews of this game. I think it was a lot of fun. That game preview. Uh, yeah. Come early, come early, because I can't remember the last time where we haven't had to keep some folks off of the stage who wanted to be up there because uh, it's popping. It's popping 7 PM on Wednesday nights. Um, that's all I have. Uh, you have my permission to hate anyone you want. I'm in full hate mode. Hashtag no new friends. Mode? Hashtag no new friends. Full I'm
1: hate in, mode. I'm in love mode because of that Cats win. And we're going back to Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday. A night game. It's been so long. I can't wait. Um, just so excited to see a full stadium. Excited to see Deuce again in person. And uh, any concerns you have are going to be squashed because we'll be back to till- him. A plus form. That's all I have. Folks, meet me at the Cathead. It's time to
4: get set for the Cat Attack.
2: You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want
4: to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free!
0: Kansas State! Our pride is with the cats!
4: Kansas State! Come on, join the
0: Podcast Network.